You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 231 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by HandsOnGloves.com, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have part two of the origins of team pinning. That's a lot of fun. And we sit down with Monty Roberts to hear his thoughts on artificial intelligence and how horsemanship might be changed by it or not. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hey, how you doing, Debbie? That's I'm good. I'm good. That's a lot of and. Sorry, I bridge a lot of my sentences because we do this enough. How are you? Are you ready to go on vacation yet? We're gearing up for vacation. Yes. Yeah. You're you're gearing up for a lot of work because you have the regular schedule at Flag is Up Farms going. Get a vacation. No, no. not for the next couple of months for not sure. For We're going to go to Brazil in August, and we'll be talking a lot about that oh, after that's the fact. Because wow. I have no idea what we're going to do there. So <laughs> we do. We kind of have an idea, but I'm sure it'll be much more exotic than I that's even exciting. know. Yeah. But yeah, we've got a ton of stuff happening at Flag and California Horse Center. So people ask us, what's the difference? Well, Flag is our iconic farm that's been here in the family since 1966. California Horse Center is not just just one part of the facility. It's really the overarching reason for a new title because we wanted to say we're taking a new direction, not just with thoroughbreds. We do have those in transition to their new jobs and new vocations, but we also have thoroughbred crosses like Connemara crosses and others that are going to do other things like jumping or maybe three-day eventing, or maybe there'll be a dressage horse. I don't know. Uh, but what we do is we start a lot of them or restart a lot of them and put them out into the universe in adoption homes that we love and know and see them do other things. So that takes a lot of our time because to bring a horse from the track and make sure that he's healthy, he doesn't have crumbly feet, which they always do at first. <laughs> we pull those shoes off, we put them on grass. It's going to be a different world. So there's a lot of that um, holistic health and training that goes into that. So yeah, it keeps me busy and the movement's keeping me busy, Jen. I'm getting all kinds of um, questions firing at me now. Where do we stay? How do we get there? When? What time does it start? And so here we go. We're you know, close to a month out here now. All the things. All those things with an event. And I love it because it means companies coming and, you know, you get all polished up for company coming, don't you? Oh, there you and, go. Gives you, yeah. gives, you a, gives you a good reason to spiffy the place up even more. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. It's starting to look really beautiful. We have some weddings out here occasionally too. So, you know, that makes the white roses all look beautiful. And yeah, there so we go. it's fun. So for the movement. Somebody wants to go to the website, yeah. moneyroberts.com. Where do they go on the website mm-hmm. to find out everything they need to know about the movement? Yeah, great question. Thank you. Slip over across the tabs at the top. You'll see shop there. Click on shop and scroll down to special events. Okay. And click on special events. You'll see two things there. And then you're going to get an annoying pop-up. Perfect, because that pop-up is going to have a link in it that says, go here and find out more information, right? But you can also click on that special events, and it'll take you to the page where you can buy a ticket, 
and it has a little information there on the go. movement in there. Yeah, there. Or if you're not much for clicking around websites, and some mm-hmm. of us aren't, you can mm-hmm. call a friendly, yes. friendly voice at Flag Is Up Farms, the yeah. California Horse Center. Can you not? Yes, eight zero five six eight eight six two eight eight. Thank and you for asking. There we go. And for those of us who are not uh, good at numbers. You can go to the website, and, and, the we- and the phone number is really, really easy to find. Yes, not much exactly. clicking involved at all. No, we're not like, you know, Google doesn't want you to find their phone number. Right. We're, we're oh, have you ever tried to find a human being at Google? No, they don't exist. Any of those tech companies, they don't, you know what they usually even say? No telephone service. Go away. Go away. <laughs> they, they, it's it's all esoteric. It's, it's AI. <gasps> Speaking of AI. Oh, AI. We're talking about AI on the show today and how it may or may not move horsemanship forward in a good direction. Yeah. I'm very curious yeah. to find out. After that, yeah, I want to hear what you think after you hear Monty opine on artificial intelligence. Isn't that cool? Well, before we get to our first guest, we always have a little chat about hands-on gloves because they are our title sponsor after all. And you had mentioned something a little earlier about a mare you had there at the farm that could benefit from some new techniques with mm-hmm. the hands-on gloves. Yes, I loved you. We were talking about hands-on gloves being um, so clever. There's so many different things about them that we love. But the one thing this poor mare is always suffering from are the little drip drips off the belly when we wash her. And she's such a sweetheart. She really puts up with a lot. But for her, you can just tell it's like super ticklish, like there was flies all over her belly. And it's Aww. not. It's just a little water drops, you know. But even after you scrape her off, you know how the water eh, creeps down under there and it drips a few more t- It drives her bananas. And you told me about a video that showed a guy who had thrown a towel over his his dog in this case. Uh, but, you know, before you put it back in the car, P.U., <laughs> you, you get out a towel. But for those who, you know, want to really be able to grip the towel and really get a, a good job done of drying the dog or the horse in this case, and I could really reach under a belly by putting on my hands-on gloves, grabbing the towel, and, you know, I don't have to hold it very hard if I can scrub under her tummy with that towel and get those last little bits of moisture out of there so it doesn't bother her. We've all taken the towel, and we dry some part of the horse with the towel. Mm-hmm. Well, the towel dries the top of the hair. Right. Right. It it does, especially as their hair gets a little heavier in the wintertime. Yeah. Here we are. It, it doesn't, it doesn't get down. And it's like trying to wash your hand without using your hair, without washing your, using your fingertips. It doesn't work. Exactly. Jen. That, that's a perfect analogy because I can't get in there, especially under the belly. You know, it's kind of loose skin and yeah. Yeah. yeah that's perfect. brilliant. So washing your horse, give them a quick straight scrape and you've already got your hands on glove on anyway, because you're anyway. using that to scrub your horse. Yep. We'll just grab the towel in your hand. Give the tummy a rub, give the legs. And what a great way to also get the legs and fetlocks and coronets Mm -hmm. really, really dry because that's going to ward off scratches. Yes, that's another thing that we can get here in the tall grasses. And she is a pasture horse, but uh, she's she's absolutely lovely. And she loves her spa days and loves her grooming, but she hates her little uh, drip drops. There we go. Her tummy. Yet another, we're going to have to develop a pamphlet, 101 Useful Ways that You Can Use Your I'm telling you, every time you get horse girls together and you talk about hands-on gloves, we come up with a new one almost every time. Every time. Well, you can find out more at handsongloves.com or you can find them at your local retailer. 
Monty Roberts first gained widespread fame with the release of his New York Times bestselling book, The Man Who Listens to Horses. It's a chronicle of his life and development of his nonviolent horse training methods called Join Up. Monty grew up on a working horse farm as firsthand witness to traditional and often violent methods of horse training and breaking the spirit with an abusive hand. Rejecting that, he went on to win 11 World's Championships in the show ring. So I wanted to sit down with you today, Dad, and um, have a little conversation that is a little bit art and science. It's a little bit um, old school and new school. It's a little bit about the past and it's a little bit about the future. Okay. So in the news today, people are talking about artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence, you and I just looked up the definition of artificial intelligence or examples of artificial intelligence. It really is synthesizing what human knowledge has been recorded. Okay. Now we know the horsemanship has been around since probably long before most people were recording information about horsemanship, right? What what do you put a, as a year of uh, how long has horsemanship, in the sense that you and I know it, been around? Well, as, as you know, I've been through the caves in uh, southern Europe and um, a little bit in Africa, too, quite a bit in Africa, too. And um, it's pretty clear that horses were under the uh, guidance of human beings to become domesticated about 6,000 years ago. And um, this is before they used them in war or anything. And oftentimes we think of horses as they are now, uh, being done this way 6,000 years ago. And the, the fact is that horses were less than one-third the size that they are now. And um, as they crossed out of Africa across a short piece of water there, salt water, um, and entered into the Asian area, Mongolia became an area that was vast with grasslands and um, all sorts of things that people could eat. Deer, antelope, I don't know. There were so many animals and birds that people could live on. And these people never had a car, did they? No. They never had, um, they never rode a horse. They wandered up and down through Mongolia. Let's, let's take that part of the world for a moment. Um, and the children, it, it appears in the caves when you see the drawings, the children would find a baby horse. And they would, oh, like kids will do, um, they would sh be shown loving this baby horse. Probably the mother died or the mother was killed by a lion or some uh, predator. And um, then this horse would grow up with the family. That's how domestication took place. There was no real intelligent plan 
to domesticate horses, nor was there a plan to ride horses, nor was there a plan to have horses carry things for us or plow our fields or anything like that. That all grew after about 6,000 years. Um, I studied this hard, and uh, Zurich University really spent a lot of time with me, allowing me to use their uh, instructors and um, and to learn why horses have come to be what they are, how it got there, who is responsible for it, and how horses think, how people think, and how the combination of the two brains think. And and this is my life. This is my life. I'm 88 years old now. And oftentimes I forget where I left my uh, water bottle. <laughs> but I don't forget the things that I learned in universities, mm-hmm. quite a few universities, but two doctorates in behavioral sciences. In other words, why do we do what we do? What possesses us to do what we do? How did we learn to do what we do? Why don't we do it this way or why don't we do it that way? It's been a fascinating life for me to study the characteristics of thinking by flight animals that a lot of people will say are not intelligent at all, when in fact we know that in many ways they're way more intelligent than a human being. Right. In ways. Survival. Survival uh, attributes, exactly. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, we always joke that if we had to put money on the scientist crossing the Mojave Desert and the Mustang, you'd put your money on the Mustang, right? Yeah. Correct. So their intelligence is measured by different things. And artificial intelligence now, we're learning, is a, is a drawing on of that intelligence that is recorded. Right. So even though horsemanship may have been passed orally or even just by practically from generation to generation to generation, not a lot of it was recorded uh, until when? I don't know. The probably you see Roman times records some of the methodologies. Some of it was actually not so bad. You know, there was the. The, you mean with a pen and pencil? I do. Yeah. Someplace where there is intelligence put down. And I use intelligence loosely here because it is just a recording of how we think or what we're learning. Maybe it's a textbook. Maybe it's anecdotal. But it is a recording because artificial intelligence with machines has to draw from something. So it's not going to draw from something tactile, um, passing of a oral history along or anything. Well, maybe even that because it can synthesize language and things like that. So here's my question. If I were to think of, people are afraid a little bit of artificial intelligence because they think that it can take over and start to think for us and create some changes. That's my little um, definition of of a worry about artificial intelligence. But they also know that artificial intelligence is being used to really just draw from 
the best of materials out there, hopefully, that would be the hope, is that they find the best way by drawing from these materials to create a better product, maybe a better prose, a better poem, a better idea. And so interesting to think about horsemanship being such a old discipline, really. What is recorded and what is not? And do you think that artificial intelligence actually might start drawing on some of your concepts and your principles and become a more pervasive? And could that help people know? Because you, your content, you've lived 88 years, but you've only been recording things, you know, maybe 50, 60 years anyway, which is a long time about good horsemanship. So maybe even some of the concepts like you say, whipping a horse to go faster actually slows the horse down. That's out there in the universe that you said that. Uh, clucking to make a horse impulse, it draws from that DNA that says when the twig snaps, get out of there because the predator might be close behind. And that's the sound making that horse impulse go away. So that that's the kind of intelligence that can be drawn from. What do you think? Well, at 88, um, I used to say I've never turned a computer on or off. Now you had me slam the lid down on your <laughs> laptop and I've turned one off. Did, yes. But I've never turned one on. Nor do I want to, really. Oh, they're fantastic machines, and my word, I've used them and taken advantage of what they've created that's mechanical, that's you plug it in and it literally thinks and does things that we could never remember ourselves. So I'm not a negative person about computers. I'm negative about what some people think about computers because I believe that a certain percentage of our species is thinking that computers can start doing all this for us and that they will think for us. I don't believe that. I do not believe that. I don't think there's anything that you can legitimately call call artificial intelligence. That intelligence wouldn't be there if it hadn't been for intelligent people that figured out how to put things together, mechanical things together, that remembered and rewound the thoughts. But I believe, I'll be gone, but I believe that not so far into the future, the most brilliant people on the face of this earth will sit down and say, you know what? There really is no artificial intelligence. This is all human stuff. If it wasn't for the humans, this wouldn't be there. And that it is things that we never knew before. It is things that we have created from the material that's available to us. But I don't think artificial is the word for it. It's not artificial. It's well thought through. 
And just because that machine can come up with an answer that you can't come up with doesn't mean that that's artificial. That when you plug together all the thought waves that went into the whole creation of computers and TVs and telephones and all these things, you'll find that they were the outcome of a lot of very intelligent human beings. And I think we will also find that horses, cattle, dogs, sheep, are also thinking about a lot of things. And now I know, at 88 years of age, I know that things are going on inside of me that I don't really recognize, and that my body knows things, particularly about horses, that I didn't know I knew. And that a horse does some certain thing, and my body responds to that by doing some other certain thing, without the process of gray matter driving it to an outcome. This is muscle memory you're referring to? I'm referring to muscle memory, and remember the brain is a muscle too. So it isn't just muscle memory. I, I don't have all the answers. But I know it's in, in us somewhere to learn things we didn't know we were learning. Mm -hmm. And to know things we didn't know we knew. Mm. And that little boy that fell through the hole in the rocks in southern Africa, who goes down in the books as the oldest humanoid, He knew some things. How do we know he knew anything? Because we've watched the progress of the human being based upon experiences that they had and a collection of thoughts that put together theories, which then was called the language or mm -hmm. um, knowledge. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, I wish I could live to be three million years old because I, I just can't imagine how, you know, we're going to travel through space, apparently. Mm -hmm. We're going to go to other worlds. Mm -hmm. And we then will know that we knew <laughs> a lot of things that we didn't know we knew at the time. Right. That we knew Let's give some examples of that. So man didn't know what fire could do when he first discovered that he could make fire. He couldn't extrapolate all those things. People didn't know what um, the internet could do, the printing press could do, the manned flight could do, uh, so many things. So I guess we don't really know what artificial intelligence can do, but do you think it could go in a positive way for horsemanship? Oh, I think it could. I really think it could. Um, we have to go back to the early Spanish cowboy, you know, who knew everything to do with a horse because 
their grandfather did it and they can do it too. Get a club. Those horses don't understand anything but force. And they got to know who's boss. Well, we're finding out today, not in a hundred years from now, we're finding out today that there's a far greater understanding of the human mind by horses than we ever dreamed there was. The horses that you ride into a herd of cattle and you select one animal and bring it out and say, don't let that one get back with the others. And then your hand goes down and you get a point off if you touch the mouth or guide the horse in any way. And it's finally known that those riders can just hang on. And the straighter they sit up in the saddle, the better job he does. Now, how does a horse know how to do that? We didn't know that horses knew that. When the Spanish were clubbing them and tying them to a post and tying them on the ground and tying legs up to their bodies... Johnny Tivio didn't know that when they tied his head to his tail and beat his neck down to make him softer of response. Can you believe it? That's in the last 40 years. And that's in the last, yeah, 50 years or so. 50 years, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how do we put the good stuff out there so artificial intelligence reaches good horsemanship versus mm, a little traditional? Well, how do we put it out there? You're looking at a human being that's doing his level best to get as much of this information that he was able to put together in his lifetime out to as many people as it can. And there always will be a segment of people that say, ah, come on, that guy's a namby-pamby wuss. He doesn't know uh, anything about horses. I, I just got the... Word from San Luis Obispo that I'm a very dodgy person, that there are a lot of negatives about me. Mm. And I have to tell you that I don't, I sincerely don't think there's very many horses that think I'm right. a dodgy person. They haven't asked the horses. That's they true. haven't asked the horses. <laughs> I don't, I don't and, know what you were and, speaking to. And, and people like Sarah. Dawson. Dawson. Lovely. We've talked about her on the show before. She's a stepping stone. Right. She's the generation. Just take a look at her. And she's a stone. She's a stepping stone of moving into another world Mm -hmm. where we do understand. Mm -hmm. That's not artificial intelligence. It's plain outright intelligence. Right. So you think we don't have to worry about this art artificial intelligence because it's not artificial it's built on intelligence from good horsemen we're going to see that prevail yeah and i don't care what you call it you can call it artificial if you want (laughs) that's that's a silly thing to do and it's it's not very uh, fair in terms of educational opportunities Mm -hmm. to call it artificial Mm -hmm. Uh, there's people that are sitting around that say it is artificial Mm -hmm. And they're bright people, Mm. but they've taken that position. They will change. Mm -hmm. It's nothing artificial. Mm 
God is not artificial. Uh, in my, you know, my world, God runs the show. Right. And there's no artificial anything with him. And who built those cities under the Pacific Ocean? Right. That are two, three, four miles underwater. And they're vast communities built in stones where there are no stones on the face of the earth like them. Right. As, as I Love Lucy used to say, got some splaining to do. We've got a lot of splaining to do. <laughs> yeah. And it, not, you know, it shouldn't be with anger and it shouldn't be with um, a lot of mistrust. You know, okay, so nobody knows everything. So you can say he doesn't know everything. He talks like he knows everything, but he doesn't know everything. I don't know everything. And I don't talk like I know everything. I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. But she's right. There's a lot of explaining to do because <laughs> the, each day we find something that we didn't know before. And... uh Artificial intelligence is a way to explain a piece of thoughts coming from the human mind that aren't understood yet. That's right. Yeah. And that's all about education. And you've always been about education. So thanks for sitting down with us and calming us down about artificial intelligence. It's easier to tear things down than it is to progress. Oh, yeah. You can... You can complain about what people are doing. Um, boy, you know, I, the, the story about me being thrown out of four halls of fame. Um, and the reason was by the head of the, the committee, you don't appreciate tradition. Tradition. <laughs> exactly. And I guess he's right. Yeah. I don't appreciate tradition. You outgrew if, it. If that tradition says you can't improve exactly. or you can't learn anything else, then I don't appreciate tradition. But I do appreciate tradition. Just the same as every step in the ladder mm -hmm. has to be there. But it's a long ladder yep. that I don't think we've seen the top of yet. And uh, artificial intelligence might be one of those rungs right. that maybe it's getting close to the top. I don't know. They say that there's already spaceships coming into the United States and so forth and so on. And uh, one thing that this species has to come to grips with is that violence never solves any problems. Those people who want to be violent or initiate violence, oh, China's going to get a nuclear bomb on us. Oh, we're going to get a nuclear bomb on China. Russia's going to take over that country. And none of those attitudes of domination have ever proven to be better for this earth of ours than before them. Mm -hmm. So we need to all get together and lock arms and say, okay, 
No more violence. Let's, let's take a hard look at where our life is going. Let's guide our life with, with a degree of intelligence that eliminates any form of violence. And there's a, a lot of it still going on. And it's all first grade idiocy. Imagine if you could take Monty to the barn with you. Watch and learn as he addresses each challenge with your horse and answers your questions too. You head to the arena and you work on each new lesson knowing Monty's there to encourage you, all with violence-free, tried-and-true methods. After all, he's been helping train horse lovers all his life. With his online university, you could be like Kathy, a retired teacher who just brought her first horse. Recently, I went to a tax shop to look for a smaller halter. I'm 61, just purchased my 14 hands POA the day after my birthday, just a few weeks ago, after never having had a horse. And yes, that's crazy, but as a retired teacher who never had a hobby other than teaching, I decided to go for it. My hubby and I have taken lessons this past year, but I really longed for a relationship with a horse. Um, The only other experience I'd ever had was to ride a horse in Philly, Pennsylvania, my hometown, when I was 16, and I got bucked off, and that was it, (laughs) until I was 61. Um, Well, the owner of this tax shop, um, this is Precious Lady, 84-year-old lady, gave me a copy of this magazine, Equine Monthly, and the article I read in it was Horses Are Biofeedback Beings, and it was just so interesting. I really felt like I just found a pot of gold when I read it. Because in it, it talked about Monty's online university and that I could have access to 575 videos for $10 a month. And before that, I was just searching YouTube for everything I could find. But truthfully, that's just a pain. Um, I love that the uni videos are concise and they're in order. Um, They have extra notes and a quiz. And I just can't thank you enough for the huge blessing of your online university really has changed my life and I will never be the same. Um, I've had my horse Jack now for seven weeks and thanks to the videos I've done join up with him and it really worked like a dream. Uh, I had to do it in an arena, but it still worked thanks to Monty's lessons and the cues and the hand signals. Um, The ability to watch the lessons over and over on demand is incredible. So I also want to thank you so very much for making the online university affordable for this retired teacher. Thank you so much for all that you do for everyone who really wants to love a horse. Kathy. Team pinning and ranch sorting are sporting events that involve the movement of cattle from horseback by rider teams created to preserve that traditional skill sets of working horses and handlers penning and sorting challenge modern riders and mounts to compete in a timed event to identify move and then pin specific cattle from a herd in a limited amount of time penning and sorting are timed events that involve speed precision and strategic planning in order to quickly and accurately cut and pin the cattle This is the second half of our interview. The first half is on episode 230-230. That's right. And this interview features John and Georgia Weister, along with Pat and Monty Roberts. I want to hear from the Weisters now, too. So you guys, did you, were you competing, John, in the team pinning before you met Georgia? Or was that? 
probably just about that time. Also, this what I remember best of all was the family team. Yeah, that's what I remember. Money mentioned earlier about fun, and that was really fun. Because you'd have the, the father and the mother and the little kid, and uh, or sometimes two kids and the mom and whatnot. And it had to be a family. It had to be three. And it, anyway, that was that was so much fun. Did, All my children still remember. They that. they do. Uh, and the Firestones. You mentioned that the Firestones had their kids involved. Yeah. Who else had? Who else was family here? Major. I mean, that was major. Brooks Brooks really got into it. As did Kate. As did Kate. Uh, as did the girls. The Davises. Davises, and we had uh, Schley. Schley, Schley's, Schley's, yeah. Schley family. And Nancy Schley. And, mm-hmm. My gosh, that was it. Sandy Collier. Well, Sandy Collier and Georgia, and one other lady who I can't remember, had the, the world record for women at one time. I think it was 30 seconds or something crazy. I don't know. I just know one time when we were running after a minute, and one went out over the fence. And the speaker said that we were eliminated for roughing the cattle. <laughs> That's just not so. <laughs> the cattle are roughing you. <laughs> and then another time I remember with John, and I can't remember who else was with us, but it was over in Lompoc. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a great little horse, Sundance. And it was small, and it was like a Mustang. Maybe thin, yeah. And we were running straight for the fence. We had a, one thing that really makes a difference when you're team penning is where your numbers are when you first spot them. Because they just might, by a fortune, be all together in one group. Then you can round up and get them in there really fast. But when they're spread all through the group, it's much harder. But we had a really lucky break. And I went after mine and was riding hard toward the fence. And of course I was going to go left, scoop around <laughs> to put them in the pen. But somehow, Sundance had another idea, and Sundance went right, and I went straight. <laughs> and I still had the reins, and somehow landed on my feet, and I knew I was in trouble. I went back on as fast as I could, and of course, the cow had disappeared. And we started to bell right, and we started to ride out of the arena, and John starts yelling at me, and the arena had high side, the sheet out of it had high sides of the cowboy sitting up there. I don't remember who it was. And John said, John was saying to me, where were you? What did you do? And this man up there on the fence said, she fell off. And John started into a fight with him. And I just rode on out. I figured that wasn't a good place to stick around. But we had a lot of fun. I don't remember there being money in it in the beginning. I sort of remember the change coming when... When we did bots came in and people started practicing and videotaping themselves for practice and everything. We never did that. We just is there money in it now? I bet there is. (laughs) I never saw any money from it. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't either. (laughs) The money was all going the other way. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the way a lot of these disciplines first start, isn't it? You know, it's it starts off as something fun and it's a challenge and backyard and family. That's right. Big day. Big day. Yeah. So tell me about the horses. Dad alluded a little bit that he, you could pretty much pick a horse that you know didn't didn't blow up or ignore you. So what kind of horses did you use as a rule? One Mustang, I've heard. Yeah. Well, the best horse, of course, was fancy heels that uh, actually Monty was gracious enough to sell to me. And I mean that horse, I, I, I couldn't even compete with how good he was. 
That's a quarter that's horse. How we, that's how we won a championship one year with Jack Aljo and my nephew John Thorne, and and that's the great story of the buckle. <laughs> ah, tell the story of the buckle. That's a good story. Well, Georgia, very fortunately, uh, after we won the Santa Maria Team Bidding Championship at roughly 62nd, um, <laughs> it was the county championship actually. Anyway, inscribed on the back the names of the three of us. And the time uh, that we had won the, won the thing of it is, and then years, several years later, we were foolish enough to be canoeing down the suicide run of the San <laughs> Inez River, and I was with Pat Roberts, <laughs> we, anyway, it was one of those things where uh, you can't see the worst rapids from the road, and uh, we went into the worst rapid, and over we went, and and I got caught with a buckle, this buckle, on my on the gunwale of the canoe, and sort of whipped the whipped it off because I was drowning. Yeah. <laughs> Came back up, lost the buckle. I mean, it just felt terrible. And uh, what was it? That summer, some uh, camper when the river was dry, was walking up the river and saw this shiny object and pulled it out. And <laughs> fortunately, there were names on the back, so was able to locate us and return the buckle. Return so. the buckle. So the world yeah. so yeah. he is his world championship team pinning buckle came back. Came back. Just to prove that you were there. Yeah. That's an awesome <laughs> oh, story. You give your atheist a call about there that. There we one. go. It's <laughs> pretty pretty <laughs> hard. And by all means inscribe on the back of the buckle what what yeah. it was and what happened and who you yeah. yeah. The time was and it's just words. a coincidence. You know what a coincidence is, don't you? Yeah, it's God's God way of performs remaining. a miracle and chooses to remain anonymous. anonymous. <laughs> That's it. yeah. It's a good one. I love that. Yeah. I, I think, Debbie, one thing, one name that needs to come into this conversation very quickly is that after the, the prior to the first World Championship team pin, we put the numbers on the cattle in about 27 different ways. That's right. They had numbers on the shoulders. They had numbers on the hips. They had numbers on the sides. They, they were, were painted on with a brush. On, yeah. They were painted on with a spray can. Mm -hmm. Everybody had an idea about mm -hmm. how to put numbers on. And I think it was Weister. I'll give it was him Bill Deputy. Yeah, I, I think it was Weister. I'll give him credit <laughs> for it right now. No, no, hear me out now, because I think it was Weister that came to me and said, I know a guy who's been watching all of these things from the side, oh. and he thinks he has some good ideas about how to do the number. Yeah. And I said, okay. And I think Aljo said, okay. And um, you said his name is Bill Deputy. Yeah. Now, Bill Deputy was a mechanic, was a... I don't know. I don't know. He was he's something to do with his hands. He was a mechanic or something. And he knew about glues and materials and stuff like that. So he started fiddling about. And this character, he came here a dozen different see I had a roping chute in my covered arena and always had cattle here for the cutting horses and stuff. So he'd run some cattle in and he'd stick these things on them and put them out in a pen, and come back tomorrow and see... If they were still there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, he, went to, um, he went to Charlie Hollister about the glue that they use on the oh, sure. sales the, cattle. The sales 
for the, in the sales uh, sure, bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, and Charlie Hollister apparently told him about a new glue that just came out that was waterproof, like that it could rain on the cattle and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, so Deputy started experimenting with these different glues, and then he experimented with different materials. Yeah. A canvas type thing, and I think he ended up with a kind of an oil cloth mm-hmm. that had fabric on one side, a fabric-like mm-hmm. uh, texture on one side, and slick on the other side that would hold the paint. I suppose now with 90,000 people doing this, they probably manufacture these numbers. But I promise you, if they're manufacturing them today, they're probably still using Bill Deputy's methods. Because when Bill Deputy got it right, we just never had any problem losing numbers after that time. People could read them really well. You could read them clear across the thing. He placed them in such a way so that uh, excrement from the other cattle didn't cover them up and 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 bumping the fence didn't curl them up and it was it was a right tremendous thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Bill Deputy uh, still comes here. Uh, I see him at the horse shows all the time and watches yeah. watches he the horses Laura? working. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, his wife Laura was on the team that came here sticking these things, oh, sure. these numbers on, you know, and they had two or three friends that came along with them, yeah. and they were a committee unto themselves, that you really couldn't, made... Couldn't, you couldn't run a team penning without them. You couldn't do no, it. No. That's true. No, no. If it hadn't been for Bill Deputy, or somebody else that would have done the same thing, team penning never would have gone anywhere, because we couldn't keep the numbers on them to, for your life. <laughs> to make it fair I, I for was, everybody. I was in one team penning somewhere, I think it was like up near San Jose somewhere, and they put a tiny little number square between the eyes <laughs> on, every, on every, and that's the only number that was on it. Well, you tell me how you ride into the herd and look between the eyes of the cattle. That's how bad we were, you know. Well, they had to finally just quit that team fending because nobody could, nobody could find cattle anywhere. And they had people up on the fence yelling, over here, over here. Over here. <laughs> people used to be yelling at you. You couldn't hear a thing because you were going crazy. In there yeah. Too. Number seven's over here. <laughs> and then when they instituted that you couldn't, I think the first I heard yeah. was you couldn't bring more than three extra over the line, and then it kept reducing down to, I think it's zero, the last I heard. Oh. It might be, I don't know. I think when I gave it all up, changed it. I think when I gave it all up, you could bring one extra over and kick him back. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Now, tell me. Yeah, yeah, didn't count. Back over the line. No, but tell me. How did this? How did the watch stop? Oh, when when you when you uh, lifted your hat. Who? Whoever uh, was the in first, the, game. the first yeah. the first team uh, the first uh, one on the three man team that, that did it. That it didn't have to be all three. No. But you all had to be across the line on the right yes, side. Yes, across the line. And all the other cattle had to be on the other side of the right. Line. Okay. But, it, but, but it, three, three people didn't one, have to be standing in the gate. No, no, just one. Just the one that made them all go in there. Well, the last one, first one, as soon as he went in, raised his hat. That was it. Well, if you didn't have a hat on. <laughs> well, you had, you hats were required, hat remember? Was it? We had to wear hats. Is that right? Well, That's right. It was required, but, but you could lose one during your yes. run. Yes. <laughs> but, you had to, but I guess you could just raise your hand. Yeah, and get right. the, yeah. But I remember the argument that... Um, who, what was the name of the secretary of, um, uh, of 
Lorraine Lafarge. Lorraine Lafarge. Oh, yes. Well, she was very upset with all of us <laughs> because she was up there doing the timing. And I think maybe, I think maybe um, you're... Oh, isn't there somebody to drop the flag? Yeah, yeah. There's a flag, John, on the line. Yeah. But then Lorraine... And uh, Aljo's secretary, Lorraine, yeah, Lorraine. Yeah. Right. and then I think Deputy's wife, they were doing Laura. the timing. Laura, maybe. Yeah, that's right. And, and they, they were shouting at us because they were asking, who do we watch for the time? Who do we watch for the time? Because they're looking here, and everybody else had to watch where the cattle were and mm. all, all of that sort of thing. And... Um, so it came down to some rule was made, and like you just clarified, uh, the first person to run them in the pen could stand in the gate and raise their hand, and that stopped the watch. Right. And you didn't, if you didn't have all your cattle across, you couldn't raise your hand, right, right. because she's going to punch the watch, and then you got zero, right. because... Well, unless you had, unless you settled for only one or two. Well, know, true. Oh, that's right. That's so you for, could do that. You yeah. Could do but that. then you had to really watch it because they'd shoot back out. If you were yeah. <laughs> Is there a time penalty if you didn't get all three? Is that yes. why oh, could you? Uh, oh, oh well, it, it came down to it, it came down to if somebody had three in, they were obviously the winner. Mm, I and see. sometimes it was so rough, and, and the cattle were so wild huh. that you were lucky to get one in. Mm-hmm. And maybe two, so that it would have been two Trump, one, three Trump, two, two Trump. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's a balancer within the right, right, within right, the right. cattle themselves. So yeah. Yeah. But of course, the big deal is get your three in as fast as you can. Uh, yeah. That's well, you know, I I think Debbie, it's important to say that a lot of people who love horses and animals in general are often looking for things to ban. You know, ban this, ban that, ban this, ban that. And team penning came along at a time when horses needed something to do. Um, we don't need them to plow the fields anymore, or pull the trees down and all that sort of thing. So you just keep banning things, and pretty soon nobody needs a horse for anything. And having fun, and a family like oh, you yeah, all mentioned. Really great. Um, Team penning brought a whole new perspective to at least the Western world of uh, horsemanship in that it gave thousands of horses another job to do. And even people who weren't competing in team penning were home playing with it, you know, and, and uh, jackpot roping arenas would have team penning on the Wednesday or something like that, you know. And um, there are circumstances in my opinion whereby there are events that should be cancelled banned the OMAC suicide race (laughs) a horrible thing jumping horses off a cliff into a river and swimming across the river and stuff they killed horses and just ban it that's okay and it is banned and it is banned yeah and and the wild horse race should be banned and it is pretty much no longer in existence Mm -hmm. but the thing they do in Italy, called uh, something or other, where they run those horses, they run races on cobblestone streets, oh, mm. and the horses are falling down, people get killed, and mm-hmm. horses get killed, you mm-hmm. ban them. Mm-hmm. But be careful what you ban. Mm-hmm. 
Right now, they're talking about banning horses from the carriages in New York City. My opinion is that the real estate people want those stable areas for high-rise buildings. <laughs> Probably. But they say that they're badly cared for. They say their feet are bad. They say this and that and the other thing. And they may be right in some instances. But with today's standards, you could chip these horses and be sure that farriers went by and checked them. You could be sure that veterinarians went to see that they were cared for properly and that their weight was right in one thing or another. And those kids in the middle of New York City may only see one horse in their life, and it's on a carriage. And then you have places like New Orleans and several towns in California and, and, and Texas. Sol and Solvang right here. Solvang right here. You know, we, we need to be careful what we ban horses from because they've been banned from enough things. Right in my opinion. We just need to get our events better, mm -hmm. more well, that's, compassionate to That's the what you've events. done with team pinning, and that's what's so fun about this and conversation what, is going back to exactly. You're putting team pinning on the radio because mm -hmm. it is finding something else for mm -hmm. the horse to do mm -hmm. that's fun, it's wonderful for the families. Right. Uh, and I'm also hearing <clears throat> that it's a dating service because um, <laughs> Georgia and John were dating at the time, but mom tells me that she was actually dating you when you did your first team penning. So That's I'd love to true. hear from her about that. That's true. That was in 1955, I believe. And at that time, there were a lot of mixed team roping and, uh, and uh, team penning. Oh. And it didn't necessarily have to be a mixed team penny, but uh, I remember that my introduction to team penning was that year, 1955, and Monty and I going to King City, California, and competing in the mixed team roping and, and the team penny, and we won both. Wow. Did we? We did. <laughs> oh, no, no. I know. Were we the only ones entered? <laughs> no, we weren't the only ones entered. We were, I, undoubtedly, I was the greenest, though, of anyone that was in that competition. So well, you it was your first well. time, so that's yeah. as green as grass. Yeah, and, I was. Yeah, well, but it was fun. There were a lot of That's mixed um, mixed oh. events at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And now the dadgum girls are taking over. Good job. So there that, you go. Uh, <laughs> That's the way it is. It was really fun with the family seeing the little kids out there. Though, yeah. With their parents and the interaction. And we'd all camp in those uh, overnight out in the dark. I can remember in the tents and we had all the kids along. And, and then we had the dance afterwards. I think it was the Egan Brothers. Yeah, Egan yeah. Brothers. Goodness. Yeah. And those tri-tip sandwiches were, were worth good. $3. They were three dollars. <laughs> <laughs> tri-tip. We should explain to the listeners too that that's a very Central Coast California birthplace for tri-tip sandwiches. It is that piece of meat that was known as the San Maria style, isn't that's it? Right. Yeah. Cooked, cooked, and it's yeah, encased in its fat. Now a lot of people have heard of it, but at the time, I bet yeah, that that it's was. Good. It's becoming wider known. But it's it's actually the tip of the sirloin, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's a triangular piece of meat that mm -hmm. fits just ahead of the rump roast and, and onto the sirloin, and they call it a tri-tip, and uh, it has a bark of fat over it so that when it cooks, it bastes itself, mm -hmm. and it's, it's tender and it's tasty, and the FFA needed the funds, <laughs> so it probably cost them $2 to make the popcorn sandwich, and they were getting a dollar for bringing it up there yeah. to us, you know, so I was I was pleased to have gotten them, and uh, 
uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Remember Dick McBride? He yeah. was the oh, yeah. he was the coach of the football team at the high school here, uh-huh. and he started team pinning, <laughs> and he was a madman out there. I remember one time. You'll probably want to cut this, <laughs> uh, but I remember one time we were up there and the dance was going on and stuff, and the Hell's Angels motorcycle group oh, came yeah. rumbling oh, into the campgrounds, and that was a real war. Lawrence Snow was there, was about six or eight of his sons, oh, and they had a big war with the Hell's Angels and ran them out of the place. <laughs> I just remember we were all told to get in our tent and stay there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you remember the incident. Yeah. How funny. Yeah. So, so one, one, we got to do a name dropper in here. You said that there was only one undefeated person that you remember in team pinning, money. that um, he, he went into it. It was so easy for him. He won the first thing and quit after that because he was undefeated. Do you remember who that was? Casey Tibbs. Oh. Really? Yeah. Casey Tibbs came here and was down here team pinning with us, and he just got the biggest kick out of that team pinning. And somebody talked to him. I can't remember who he teamed up with, but somebody talked to him, and we went down to uh, the Eastern Empire there. Uh, where did Farrell Jones live? Oh, way down Hemet. Hemet. Mm-hmm. Went down to Hemet. Um, so... Casey Tibbs came here, practiced with us, got enthused about team penning, and decided he wanted to go to a team penning. Well, they were going to have one down in Hemet, California. And he teamed up with somebody, I can't remember who. And um, I kept telling him, it's harder than you think it is, you oh, know. Yeah, it looks easy. <laughs> it looks easy. Yeah. And uh, so we get down there, and um, he goes in the arena, and they, I don't know, they won by like 15 seconds or something. All three of them, like Georgia said, all three of them were standing on one corner. Tibbs ran around them like a wraparound. And in the pen they went, and he won the whole thing. And it's the only team penning he ever and, and he was a multiple world champion, saddle bronc rider and all-around cowboy. But uh, just before he died, he came to a, um, a very large uh, gathering for him. He was in his final stages of cancer um, at the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas. And I sat and visited with him and reminded him of uh, his winning of the team penning. And he said, I told you that was easy. (laughs) (laughs) So all he ever knew of team penning was that it was really easy. Beginner's luck. I remember they kept changing the gate position, too, as they were refining it. Oh gosh! Harder and harder to get those cattle in there. Yeah, well, they only got it on the back sides of the cows. We're headed right back toward the herd, but you had to fit them through this little. Yeah, but Georgia, before your time, sometimes they would have like a little three-foot gate in a fence line going into a corral. Mm -hmm. You didn't even have a portable pen. You had to put them through somebody's arena gate, (laughs) you know. And uh, when John and and Aljo started figuring out this pen, I don't think this way. I, I do not think this way. Because the pen isn't square. No. And it isn't round. And the opening is off at an angle, and there's a wing on it and stuff. And nothing fits for me. I'm, I'm a linear thinker. And I said, you can't, you can't make this this way, because nobody will ever repeat exactly how it's done. 
Yes, it will. It's so many feet across the back. It's so many feet on a 90-degree angle. So, 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 and so, and so. And they did it. And it's, it's there, and, and I see it in my head right now. So it works, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, you could have given me 50 years, and I never would have figured it out. <laughs> but uh, well, Weister and, and uh, Aljo, they figured it out. That was fun. What a, what a great time we had yeah. doing that. And, oh, I wish we were still doing it. <laughs> oh. yeah. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I don't yeah. go that fast on a horse oh, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Pat can still do it. Oh, yeah. I'd love to do it. Did you know that... Are you still doing it? I'm still competing. Oh. With Pat. cow horse classes. Oh, Did crazy. you know that? I knew you were in the cow horse classes because we went over to watch her one mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Well, she, she was the champion last year. Oh, my God. Uh, for the and year. 5,000 non-pro. Yeah. Wow. Got a buckle. She to prove it. Got a buckle. Whoa. Still after those buckles. <laughs> no, I don't have it on, but it's a pretty buckle. But oh, you can see yeah, that yeah. she's sculpting still. Yeah. Not yeah. enough. Yeah. And not fast enough. <laughs> but she has other duties. <laughs> yeah. Taking care. Nursing. Sorry, but she she she's she's still sculpting. But when she when she started sculpting, she put the saddle down, and. Uh, she really never showed in competition for 40 years. Oh my goodness. 40 oh, years that, without that's courage. anything <laughs> like that. Then she puts the saddle back on and there you go. You and go she and wins, the, wins the championship yeah. right here. Uh, oh, actually, wow. That's the second time I've done that and I was reserve champion one other time. So I've had a good four or five years. Wow. That's great. That's and, fun. And I hear you started on. Monty's horse when he was out of town. Oh, yeah. Got in big <laughs> trouble there. <laughs> Actually, I started on a mare that uh, I had that was, she was quite nice, but we were going to sell her after the staff a bit paternity, and she wouldn't pass the vet. So I said, well, what are we going to do with her? And that's when I started. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, I better go and start showing again. And I started showing her, and that's what got me back into it. And she's never been unsound. The two championships and the reserve championship that she won, she was the oldest person <laughs> in, the, in the whole body of people that competed the throughout the year. Uh, but you can cut that because she oh, still claims to be 42. <laughs> <laughs> so. Still looks 42. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you, John. Thank you, John. Well, thank you guys for sharing all that. It's just adorable and fun, and I hope we get to do it. So, did you start any other disciplines that are up to 93,000 teams on Earth now? Or? <laughs> well, certainly not the canoeing of the Santa. <laughs> no, we're not. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of... Dear Monty, I cannot break my thoroughbred mare's habit of fence pacing. The moment she loses sight of company, she goes crazy and paces the fence. She is very insecure. I am at a loss as to how to break this habit. The fence is electric, and I have dotted hay nets all around the place, which was suggested by a friend as well. I am very close to being kicked out of my grazing because of it. Can you help? Monty's answer. 
Horses are herd animals. Some horses are in more deep need of constant company than others. The horse that is perfectly happy while solo is rare. In the case of your horse, it seems like there is an intense desire to be in an environment with a companion. While it is quite possible that the individual requires the company of another horse, often a different species will do. I have seen horses settle and become friends with sheep, goats, calves, and donkeys. I even remember a thoroughbred trainer who had a horse that simply had to be with his pet parrot. The nervous characteristics of the individual you describe will probably respond quite well to being provided with a friend. The art of creating a reasonable relationship with your horse is more likely to be challenged by overbonded than it is by underbonding. Horses such as yours are a challenge, but like difficult children, they can be a lot of fun to deal with at the same time. While it may be difficult to comprehend, I believe that when we have a better relationship with our horses, they become a good deal more settled in their attitude. In rare cases, I have seen horses change dramatically after nothing more than a good join-up. It seems that this procedure tends to say to them that they are safe. They seem to realize that the world is not out to get them and become far more tranquil as a result. Since this can do no horse any harm, I recommend it even if the chances for improvement are relatively slim. One must realize and accept the fact that a time commitment, probably quite a substantial one, is going to be necessary in dealing with a horse such as yours. I enjoy working with these types of challenges, but then I guess it's only fair to tell you that I have been accused many times of being maniacal in my desire to understand better the workings of the equine mind. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. On the 19th of May, we have a Horsemanship 101, and on the 20th of May, we have a Mountain Trail Play Day. In June, we have 5 through 9, the Gentling Wild Horse Course, that's five days. And then June 10th, we have a Mountain Trail Play Day, and June 16th through 18th, we have the movement. We're going to see Glenn Hebert out here and Jamie Jennings and Jared Rogerson and so many other professionals that are going to have a lot of fun. So that's June 16th through 18th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then July, we have on the 8th, we have a Mountain Trail Play Day. On the 10th through the 14th, a Monty Special Training. On the 15th, we have a Horsemanship 101. And the 31st of July to August 4, we have another Gentling Wild Horse Course. We have a lot of wild horses around here. <laughs> a lot of wild horses. <laughs> a lot of gentling going on at uh, Flag is Up Farm. Yes. Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. You can find out all of that and more at MontyRoberts.com. That is the website where you go for everything. You can find the university. You can find this here podcast. You can find information about the movement. You can find the Ask Monty that you hear in the show every day. All of it's at MontyRoberts.com. You can call Flag is Up Farm and talk to a knowledgeable and friendly human being, 805-688-6288. And if you want information about today's show and you want a unitasker, go to horsemanshipradio.com. You're going to find links, photos, and information about today's guests and topics. We love your feedback. We love your interaction. We'd love to hear about what you want us to talk about on this mm-hmm. podcast. Do that is by posting on Monty Roberts' Facebook page, Monty Roberts with the little blue checkmark. Monty Roberts is also on social media, both Twitter and Instagram. His handle is Monty underscore Roberts. 
Mm-hmm. Many, many thanks to our sponsors, and they are. Oh, thank you. It's handsongloves.com and MontyRobertsUniversity.com. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. 